Let's go to Acts chapter 3, the last couple of verses in Acts chapter 3, and hopefully we will conclude chapter 3 tonight. Acts chapter 3, verse number 25. Of course, we read verses 19 through 23 this morning, uh, referring to Peter, the conclusion of Peter's sermon. And this is, this is the final two verses of Peter's sermon to the Jews who are yet unbelievers. Uh, when uh, he's preaching to them, he tells them in verse 19 to repent and be converted. And, uh, and then he explains some things about Jesus and he gives them a warning that he warns them of once again rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ, who is their Messiah, by saying that uh, the Lord is the prophet that Moses promised or that Moses, that God told Moses about uh, that would be similar to Moses. And uh, in verse 23, the Bible says, And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that, have fought, that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Now in verse 25, is the part we're going to look at tonight. The Bible says, Ye are the children of the prophets, and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. All right, let us pray together. Lord, I just pray for uh, your grace and your blessing to be upon uh, our, our meeting here uh, as we look at your word. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be among us, uh, speaking to us, teaching us, instructing us, and encouraging us. Lord, please help your people. Lord, I pray that you would rebuke any effort of Satan to distract or to uh, hinder your work here tonight, uh, hinder the, especially the hearing of your word. I pray that you would, uh, that you would uh, give protection and uh, that you would just help our minds and our hearts to be open to receive the word and to be ready to, uh, to receive it and apply it. Lord, we just pray for your blessing that you would meet with us by your spirit and teach us all Lord, we need your help. Lord, we are nothing but uh, sinners whom you've saved. We are, we are just utterly and totally in need of your help and grace. Lord, thank you for this blessing that you have uh, pointed out here in your word, this marvelous blessing. And I pray that you, as we focus upon it and look upon it, Lord, our hearts would be warmed uh, to you and would uh, be truly thankful and stand in awe of this blessing that you've given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in verse number 25, we'll jump right in just because I want to I finish at a reasonable time. Uh, he mentions how that these Jews, uh, in conclusion of his message, he says, you are the children of the prophets. In other words, you are the ones that God was primarily thinking of whenever the Lord promised through the prophets all of these, uh, all of these blessings that God has given. In other words, we know that the, the children of Israel... Were, God, were the group of people upon the earth that God had His eye upon. Uh, it was with the children of Israel that He 
gave, he gave these, he established these covenants like the Mosaic covenant that we actually talked about tonight that had to do with the law that God gave to Moses with the children of Israel. Do you remember the covenant, the Mosaic covenant? That is when they were standing at the mount, the Lord, the Lord said, uh, basically it was a contract where the Lord said, these are the commands and they answered the children of Israel and the heads of the children of Israel said, all that the Lord has said, we will do. That was the covenant. And the covenant was that God would bless them if they would obey Him. And there was an agreement like that. And of course, before that was the Abrahamic covenant. And then later we find the Davidic covenant which dealt with David. Uh, but this, this Abrahamic covenant was, was one of the agreements that God had with the people of Israel. And that, you know what? That didn't include us. That didn't include us. But it did a little bit. But we were, almost all of us in here, we were not Jews and God made a covenant with a physical people. God made a covenant with a bloodline. God was, he, he separated that race of people from all the rest of humanity. And He established covenants with them. And of course, uh, although we don't take part in the, that covenant, it does show something about the Lord's work with, with Israel. And we know that in the end time, as we approach the coming of the Lord, those things that God has promised Israel will, will come once again into the forefront. And those things that God has promised them will be fulfilled. But in this covenant here, it says this. He quotes it. Peter quotes it to the audience here. He says, Saying in a, unto Abraham, here's the quote, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Now that's a quotation from the Old Testament. So we're going to run the references starting in Genesis chapter 12. So we're going to come back here toward the end, but in Genesis chapter 12, if you'll look there with me, we'll do a quick, very quick study of this, of this Abrahamic covenant and just one part of it actually. Genesis chapter 12. Now verse 1, the Bible says this, Now the Lord had said <clears throat> unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will, I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So this is the call of Abram, who then later became Abraham, to leave his homeland. He lived in what is now present-day Iraq, and God told him to leave and travel by foot all the way to the land that we now call Israel. And he spent most of his time in southern Israel once he left uh, the land where he is from. They're, uh, they're in Ur. But notice what God promises him. It's a multifaceted uh, promise. Verse 2, I will make of thee a great nation. All right, so this is a promise to Abram and his descendants that they would not, remember, it was just Abram and his wife. That was it. They didn't have kids. She was barren, couldn't have children. He was, he was uh, nine to a hundred years old. There was no way that they could have children. It was just Abram and his wife. But God's promise in this covenant was that Abram, his, those two people, would become a great nation, would become many, many multitudes. Number two, and I will bless thee. All right, so you have a blessing, but that's a little ambiguous, so let's keep reading. And make thy name great. It doesn't matter. Did you know that 
greater than half of the world's population reveres Abraham now? All of Christianity and all of Islam. Because Islam also reveres Abraham. And count him, count, they count Abraham, Abraham as a prophet, like Christianity uh, does as well. So you have half the world that recognize Abram's name. His name is indeed great. God has fulfilled that. And he says in ver- the, the last part of verse 2, And thou shalt be a blessing. There's more about that coming. Verse 3, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. So this is the protection of Abraham. This means that God is going to, God is going to uh, those that are friendly with Abram, those that are friendly, of course, not just with him, but those who are his descendants, because this will be passed down, will also be blessed by the Lord. So the way that someone treats Abram will be looked upon with the Lord and judged by the Lord. And the Lord will then, the Lord will then bless or curse, as the case might be, that person. And then lastly is what we want to look at here before we move on to the next verse. And in thee, in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. You see that? You go to chapter 18, if you would, a few pages over. Chapter 18, verse number 18. Or verse, look at verse 17. This is the story of Sodom when... The Lord meets with Abram, or Abraham at this point. Verse 17, and the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? This is the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. That's part of the covenant, remember? And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Okay, so in this it says that God will bless all people, doesn't matter. Now remember, most of what we read about Abraham dealt with only one lineage. Dealt with Abraham, then Isaac and Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel. Dealt with the people of Israel, the bloodline of Israel. But this part of the covenant, the promise of the blessing, is a promise that God gives to all nations, right? This is not limited to Israel only, and that's, that's significant. And what's more is this blessing comes by means of Abraham, but... What we don't know from reading these two passages is what the blessing is. It just says all nations will be blessed. But what that blessing is, maybe that means money. Maybe that means they won't have diseases. Maybe that means they'll have a long life. Who who knows? Maybe that means they'll be tall in stature. I certainly wasn't blessed with that blessing. But the Lord's going to tell us what what that is. Look at chapter 22. The Lord changes or, or adds a little bit of information rather in chapter 22, verse number 15. This is the, uh, the account of the sacrifice of Isaac, his son. Now we know that in this, in this account of, Isaac, of Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac, which we know he did not actually sacrifice him, though the Lord told him to, that two things, you have two illustrations, two types that are overlapping. You have Isaac is, of course, a, a type or a picture of, of Christ who willingly gives himself to be the sacrifice. And Abraham is a picture of the father 
who sent his son, willing to sacrifice his son. But we know at the last minute, Isaac is not ultimately sacrificed. And we know there's a ram caught in a thicket by his horns, right? And Abraham takes that and sacrifices it as a substitute for Isaac. So the ram, whereas Isaac is also is a picture of Christ being sacrificed willingly, yet the ram is a picture of a substitutionary sacrifice in place of Isaac, which is also a type of Christ. Now, both of those types, though, both of those illustrations foreshadow what the Lord Jesus is going to do on the cross. Now, that's important because in that context, because Abraham is willing to sacrifice his son, in that context, with that, that um, backdrop is what we have in verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called, out, called unto Abram, Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee. God already promised he would bless him, did he not? But this is like an emphatic statement because now Abraham's faith has been tested and proven by works. Those of you that know James, by works that his faith is genuine. In blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. So this promise is expanded. Verse 18, this is the part. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So in the context of the cross, right, what we know of as the cross, the sacrifice of Isaac, the substitution of the ram. In that context, the Lord promises that in Abraham's seed, not just in Abraham as we read previously, but in his seed. So the Lord gets more specific. God is going to bless all nations through Abraham, that is specifically through his seed. And this is specifically referring to one person, his seed, singular, his seed. But notice it says, because thou hast obeyed my voice. All of these things, all of these things were a result of Abraham's obedience by faith. Think of, listen, you and I have no idea what the result of our obedience to God might be. How our obedience to God might ripple and cascade down to people after us. We have no idea. Do you think Abraham knew the, the, the repetition and expansion of this promise that, that deals directly with the cross and goes to all nations? It says, verse number 18, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Abraham obeyed the Lord by his faith in, in sacrificing his son Isaac. And as a result of that, God responded with the expansion of this promise that then rippled out to the entire world. Look at chapter 26. Even though this is the case, what we don't find is a description of this blessing. We still haven't found out what the blessing is. We just know that it's to all nations, and we know that this blessing is, uh, is through Abraham, but specifically through one of his descendants. All right? And then chapter 26, verse 4, look at what that says. 
The Lord speaking now to Isaac, Abraham's son, passing on this, this promise. Verse 4, And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and I will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed all the nations of the earth uh, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Notice once again, because that Abraham obeyed my voice. You know, listen, obedience to God is still a thing. It's not a dirty word. It's not a dirty word. People, people denigrate the idea of obedience as if all obedience is, is forced. That's not the case. Loving obedience, obedience by faith is not something that is reluctant. It's something that's done joyfully and it has good results. Listen, if you obey the Lord in your family, if you obey the Lord yourself personally, it will have good outcomes with your, in your family, have good out, outcomes in your, in your uh, children, good outcomes in your marriage, good outcomes in your work, good outcomes in your school, good outcomes in this church. It will help. It will, it will reverberate in ways that will benefit your, yourself and everyone around you because you obey the Lord's voice. Now, in verse number 5, it says, Because the Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So this same promise that God gave to Abraham is now passed to Isaac. Now let's go to chapter 28. Chapter 28, verse number 14. This is the famous story of Jacob's ladder. When Jacob's asleep on a, on a pillow of stone, and he sees this vision of a ladder set down upon the earth. A ladder is a, is a symbol, is a picture, an illustration of Christ himself. But anyhow, as we just jump in the middle of this, just for time, verse 14 the Lord, or read verse 13, just for uh, the context. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. That's also part of the Abrahamic covenant. that we didn't, The part that we didn't read, but the promise of the land of Israel. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south, and in thee, and in thy seed, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. See that? Pass, to, uh, pass from Abraham through Isaac now to Jacob. All right, look at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 6. Of course, Galatians is a New Testament book. It deals in New Testament doctrine. But New Testament doctrine is built on Old Testament truth. You cannot separate the two. And as we saw, we might not be under the law, but the New Testament is built upon the law, the fulfillment and the establishing of the law. Verse 6 says, uh, Even as Abraham believed God, 
and it was accounted to him for righteousness. You know, that's a, listen, the idea that, that the, the truth that men are, are simply put their trust in God and in Christ, and God, as, as a, because of that faith, not because of something they do or work they perform or religious duty or act, but because of that faith, God counts them as righteous, even though they aren't. That is a fantastic doctrine, and it is absolutely unique to biblical Christianity. There is nowhere else that exists, period, bar none. The idea that you can be righteous without actually doing righteousness, that's exactly what this says, by faith. Now, verse, uh, let's keep reading here. Verse 7, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Because Abraham was the first to exercise this kind of faith, or the first one mentioned specifically. Abraham just believed what God promised him in that covenant. And God said, you believe me? In that moment, you are justified. You are right, righteous, right? But now we do the same thing. We believe in the Lord. The Lord counts us righteous. We are therefore the children of Abraham in that way of faith. Verse 8, and the scripture, this is where we want to look at, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen, that is non-Jews, all nations, through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, this is our, our part, in thee shall all nations be blessed. That's where we see that promise that God made to Abraham is for that blessing, that blessing. And this is where we start to get an understanding of what is the blessing. Most of us want to, most of this world, and sometimes even us, if we said, you can have any blessing you want, what would you say? If God said, I'm a genie today, I'll give you whatever, you have three blessings, not three wishes, but three blessings. What blessings do you want? A lot of us, and especially out in this world, what would they say? Well, I'll pay off my house, give me a new car, take away this sickness. And we totally get it. I want to pay off my house. Well, my car's okay, but, I, but you know, I'd like to, if I had a, a serious illness, I would, want to, I would want to be better. But that's not this blessing. This blessing, look at this, is the blessing of, of being made righteous before God by faith. That's this blessing right here. That was in that promise. That was what God planned. One of the, is part one of two parts of that blessing that God gave to Abraham. Uh, that God said would come through Abraham, rather. Verse nine, verse 9. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. See, Abraham received that blessing. And in Abraham, all that believe on the Lord by faith also get that same blessing. Most people would rather have the physical blessings, lots of money, good health, long life, even if they had to give up being right in, right in the sight of God. They'd rather have the physical, temporal, temporary blessing and not have the eternal blessing. But the eternal blessing is what God promised and gave. Verse 10, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Hear me now. This is what God said. We don't have to, listen, we don't have to agree with it. Actually, we do have to agree with it. But we don't have to like it. But God said, cursed 
is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. How many of us have continued to follow the word of God, the law of the commandments of God? Continue to do that. We haven't. There ain't a soul alive that's done that. Not even the most strict Pharisee does that. We are all guilty. God's law condemns us as guilty. That's why the Bible says we're under a curse. So even the person who lives as righteous as they possibly can and cleans their life up and gets rid of all that sin, God said, you're cursed because you have not continued. Well, I've only done a few things irrelevant. It says, are under the curse. Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law do them. That's a high standard. That's perfect righteousness. Who in the world has that? Nobody. But the thing is, you don't get perfect righteousness by keeping the law. How do you get it? By Christ, by faith, by trusting in him, coming to him as a sinner who's not righteous. And he gives us righteousness when we trust in him. Now, verse 11, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. In other words, if you did obey all the law of God, well, you, then you would live. If there had been a law which could have given life, then verily righteousness should have been by the law. That's what Galatians says, right? But there ain't. There's no way to be made right in the sight of God by doing works. Verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. So that curse we read in verse 10, where we were cursed because we had violated God's law, he took that curse upon himself. That's the sacrifice of Isaac. That's the ram substituted for Isaac. That's the cross. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Verse 14 is where we're, where we're at here. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That blessing was made possible because Christ became the curse. That's why when the Lord says to Abraham right after the Isaac incident at Mount Moriah, he says in that backdrop, with that context, he says, in thy seed. This is the first time it's mentioned. In thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. That seed is Jesus. And this is how it was done. And the blessing is righteousness by faith because Christ took our place. You see? All right. Now let's go back to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And we'll finish there. So the blessing was, first, in part, to be pardoned from sin and justified, made righteous in the sight of God. Romans 4 says, blessed are they whose iniquities are covered, whose sins are forgiven, whose iniquities are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Listen, when you, come to, when you and I came to Jesus Christ and we trusted in him, we came to him as just a dirty sinner, a corrupt sinner without any hope. You know what he did? He forgave us. But you know what he also did? He did not impute our sin to us. He did not count it to us. He counted it to Christ. And he counted the righteousness of Christ to us instead. 
You say, well, that, that's hard to understand. Well, that might be hard to understand, but it's true. But there's another part to it, and it's in Acts 3, which is part of our study. Verse 25, Ye are the children of the prophets, and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Now we understand that promise a little bit more, do we not? It's possible by the cross. The seed is Jesus. It is to all nations. The blessing includes, is part of salvation by faith, righteousness by faith. But then in verse 26, gives us a little more clarity. Unto you first, because they're Jews. Remember, the promise was to them primarily. But it's not just to them because it says all nations, this blessing. Unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you. See, Jesus coming in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That's how Jesus, that's how God uh, brought that blessing into fruition. Now here's how it's done. Sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. So this is also part two of the blessing. Not only does God make us righteous by faith, but he turns us away from our sin. Notice what it says in turning everyone away, every one of you from his iniquities. This is the transgressions we have committed. This isn't, this isn't speaking of sin kind of in general, like sin I might commit or bad things. This is the things I have done. This is why you can't be righteous by doing good works because of that sin that hangs on you like an albatross, like a ball and chain. It's not going anywhere. It's stuck to you. You are guilty, right? But the Bible says this blessing is that the Lord would turn us away from those iniquities. So it's not about teaching us to live right, but it's about removing our past sin. But let me ask you this. What blessing is there greater than this? You can talk about having a long life. You still die, right? You can talk about having plenty of money and still have family problems. You can still get cancer, have a heart attack, have a car accident. You can have a blessing. These are, these are blessings the world wants, right? They want a happy life. They say happy wife, happy life. That's what they say, right? They want a happy life. They want plenty of money. They want the house they've always wanted, the American dream, whatever. They want, good, they, they want a, a good health. They want a long life, those kinds of things. Those are the blessings of this world. Men trade anything for those things. They sacrifice their very soul to the devil for those things. That, I mean that. They, there are people, I, I'm convinced, I believe this, that come to a point in their life in the quiet of their heart that they acknowledge they, maybe there's a fork in the road they come to in their life and they, they, they come to a point where they are willing to give up any hope of eternal life for temporary blessings. They do it. They do it. But what blessing is better than this? What blessing is there that enriches us more than this? None whatsoever. Turning us away from our sin. We say, well, that's, you know, that's all spiritual. And how does that help us? Turning us away from sin, removing our sin, enables us to be made right with God. 
You couldn't fellowship with God if you had sin hanging around your neck. That was the blessing. You can't come to God with that sin hanging around you. It prevents you from fellowshipping with God. Even Adam and Eve with one little sin around their neck were banished from God's presence forever. One little sin. It destroys. It, it, this blessing, the removing, turning us away from our sin, removes that which destroyed our ability to fellowship with God. And it removed that which destroyed ourselves. Sin not only harms our relationship to God, but it destroys us. It destroys our family. It destroys our finances. It destroys our relationships, our marriages, our relationships with our kids. It destroys our jobs. It just Listen, sin poisons and destroys everything it touches. In fact, we can say it this. Ultimately, at its core, sin is at fault for every single one of our woes. Everyone can be traced back to sin. Now imagine what God is doing now. This blessing that was, that was, that was imagined in the, in the heart and mind of God way, way back. This is what God intended to give us. God wanted to give us a blessing. He didn't give us money or promise us long life necessarily or promise us all these physical things. When God, when God decided he wanted to bless all nations, you know what he did? He decided he was, he was going to take away the thing that destroys everything it touches. And so being delivered from sin means that we are delivered from everything that destroys us. Everything that destroys we love, what we love. And ultimately it means we are delivered from death itself. All because of this promise, this blessing to be turned away from our iniquities. There can be no other blessing than this. If you think about what sin has done to you in the past, how it's harmed you, how it's harmed your relationships, think about the potential that it has. To, just think about right now. What would happen if you just went off the rails? If you just fell into temptation and went out and got drunk tonight? Or I'm not trying to be indiscreet, but visited a prostitute. Or went out and did cocaine or meth. Or carjacked someone. What would happen if you, you know what it would do? It would absolutely obliterate your whole life. So you know what the Lord did? He took that all away. The past, but by turning us away from iniquity, this is amazing. By turning us away, he turned us. He not only forgave what we had done in the past, but this is what it says in verse 26. He turned us away from that sin. Now that he turned us away so that we would not want it. We would desire better. We would be afraid of it. So that we would not desire it and, and, and so that we would seek for greater and better things than that which destroys us. We, when you seek righteousness, you get good things in your life, right? You don't destroy your liver with alcohol, your lungs with cigarettes, or your mind with, with uh, methamphetamines. 
You don't destroy your family with adultery and pornography and all that. The Lord turns us away from all those things. And a secondary effect of that is it, it, it gives us all these other physical blessings that we, really the Lord's blessing was that, that thing dealing with that sin, turning us away from it. But man, how it affects everything else. Keeping sin out of your marriage will make your marriage better. Keeping sin out of your family will make your kids better. Keeping sin out of your work will make your job better. Keeping sin out of your finances will make your money better. Keeping sin out of your life will make your health better. That's absolutely possible. Of course, we we know the sin is in this body and we're going to get sick. We know all that. But there's a whole lot of things that we can prevent, are there not? Absolutely. Absolutely. By turning us away from sin, from that desire, and teaching us to seek, seek the Lord and things that are greater and better, we're taught to avoid and flee from the putrefying and poisonous waste of this world that destroys everything it touches. God, he said, in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. That's fantastic. So by one blessing, by one blessing, there could be no greater blessing that God could bestow upon us. Nothing better because it touches every part of our life and makes every part of our life way better. Yeah, sure, he could have given us plenty of money, but if he did not fix this problem, which was the greatest problem, what good is the money? The money runs out or we die and that's it and we're still stuck the same way. But the Lord gave us, saw our greatest need and gave us the greatest blessing. You know what, this world, this world would just rather have the material and the temporal blessings and, and sin to boot. That's what they want. They want all the blessings of God without God. That's the bottom line. But God, by removing the sin and restoring our relationship to Him, He has given us the greatest blessing that can be. And the secondary blessings come out of that. You know what? And we see this in verse 25. And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. You know what? That seed is Jesus Christ. There is no way to get this blessing outside of Christ. It comes with the package. You get Jesus, you get this blessing. There's no way to have it outside of him. He is the only way. There's no access to forgiveness of sin. No access to righteousness by faith or any righteousness at all. And no access to being turned away from, from sin. Except through Jesus. But when you get Him, you get it all. And this blessing is available to every person, no matter their history, skin color, language, family, no matter who they are, no matter where they come from, this blessing is available to all, all, all people. You know, this, is, this blessing is what God promised to Abraham way, way, way back. Abraham, they say Abraham lived in 2100, around 2100 B.C., 4,000 some odd years ago. But this is what we call the gospel, right? <laughs> is it not? This is what we call eternal life. This is what we call salvation. This is what we call living for God. This is what we call the blessings of God in our life. This is common to us. But look how far back God planned to bless us and what a great blessing it is. Let's pray.